Hello and welcome, fellow awesomeologists to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're talking about how we can help our team become radically accountable by giving up some control. You know, I love to joke. <laughs> and you know the joke that the precise amount of control I like to have is all of it. Right. Yes, and, very precise. Uh, yeah, it is very precise. And it is it has been in my lifetime only partially a joke. It's one of those jokes that the humor comes from the fact that it's true. Yeah. And <laughs> it really, it only, yes. It's really only weird, the amount of control that uh, you like, which is all of it. it. It only gets weird when you do the Dr. Evil pinky to the mouth thing after like every other sentence. That's really true. the only time it gets weird. It's true. It's true. And the little person that I've brought in that looks just like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that I have a mini me. Hey, but we all say it'd be nice if we had a clone running around because of how That's busy right. we are. And you just, you're finally the one that I did it. I just did so. it. Wait, you know what? You know what? I'm an innovator and I'm making it happen. <laughs> but <laughs> all that aside, it really has been in this year where we're working through accountable teams that I have started to see. I always knew it was taxing on me to try and have that kind of control. But I have started to see how it is detrimental to the people that we want to learn and grow and thrive. Right. And how giving some of it up uh, allows you to learn and grow and thrive and be a bit more free, right? So Precisely. Not just, not just you, Sue, anybody that gives up control. Right. So right. let's but maybe... it's all about me. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to Sue's therapy session, everybody. <laughs> So uh, let's maybe talk a little bit about what kind of control we're talking about, because um, I think everybody's on the same page with us, but just to level set a little bit. So we're talking about the typical top-down control where orders are issued from the leader, decisions are made by the leadership, and non-leaders are simply task doers, order takers, and the uh, <laughs> victims, maybe too harsh of a word, <laughs> victims of that control. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's too harsh of a word on certain days and other days it feels incredibly Just apropos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, what we're talking about here is what we would call the stereotypical structure, corporate structure of any business that decisions are made, that there are people that make decisions, that there are people that carry out decisions, never the twain shall meet. <laughs> and yeah, and very much what people are used to. Yeah. What I think makes this all so tricky when we're just like on this topic of control is that at times orders are necessary, you know, no matter like how right. healthy you are, how accountable your team is and all that stuff. Like sometimes like stuff just got to get done and an order is needed. Right. Right. And then there's, you know, this, um, super complex topic of the way that people prefer to work or prefer to mm -hmm. be informed of something. And like, sometimes people prefer to get orders, you know, they just want it that clear for them. Like, tell me what you want me to do. Right. And sure. Along with that comes, you know, a lot of, um, uh, opportunity for growth or opportunity mm -hmm. to, you know, coach that person towards, well, like, yeah, I can just tell you what to do, but also like, you can be strategic and blah, 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 but we're going to get into all of that. But I, I think just, um, since we're like level setting, defining control mm -hmm. and stuff, it, 
it isn't as simple as us just giving a two sentence definition of it. We know that there's a whole lot of variables and factors that go into how well this absence of or um, giving up of control mm-hmm. might go for a team. So. Right. Well, and because we're in the thick of it, exactly to your point, you know, we know that some people just want the information and want to be given very black and white, direct, give me that thing, tell me exactly what to do. And some people, and uh, perhaps people on this Zoom call right now, um, love to be able to just give the information and have a thing done the way that they see it in their minds. Mm -hmm. So when you, when, if you don't balance that with opportunities to take control and be an independent thinker and think strategically, then you can you can end up with a healthy imbalance of uh, task ordering and task doing and not a lot of collaboration. But we yeah. we are spoiled. All we do we have done nothing but spoil everything else we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. In this conversation. I have so one I'm, last yes okay. and. I'm sorry. Give me a yes and. I'm, I'm sorry Please. to you, Sue, and I'm sorry to our listener. I promise we won't just be yes anding each other the whole episode. But um, <laughs> like but you it, mentioned that. <laughs> it is like what you, we do in real life, though. So It is. It is. Right. <laughs> um, and people just love it. They just love mm-hmm. listening to mm-hmm. it. Like Nothing you mentioned, better. people on this uh, uh, recording, uh, loving uh giving that direction and pulling the thing out of their mind and having someone create it for them. Um, The people on this recording also don't have time for that all the time. So that's where it's like even more important to give up a bit of the control, help others grow and all of that. Okay. That's the last thing I'll spoil for the whole episode. I promise. Okay. It's fair. No, it's fair. And I think that that it sort of, sort of transitions us into being really open about the fact that we walked into this idea of sharing control, you know, so here's where this all comes from. So to have an accountable team, you can't have total top-down control. You cannot ask someone who is a member of a team to be accountable for their results, to be looking at a shared fate, to be accountable, uh, to be thinking strategically, doing all of those things that you want an accountable teammate to do and give them no power to do it. Mm, You you have to surrender some control. And the beauty of that is intended to be um, helping to build things like shared fate and helping to have people aligned with a shared vision and all of those things. And I think honestly, and I don't think that I'm patting us on the back right now when I say this, I think even prior to reading the book Revolutionized Teamwork uh, that we are talking about all this year, we, you and I really had an attitude that was more about sharing control and helping people develop um, in that way by being able, you know, asking them to think strategically and do some of those things. So it was maybe, maybe for me, it was less revolutionary of a thought and more uh, confirmation of the way we felt and permission to go even further. 
to say, well, that's, you know, we, we thought it was good. We had this gut feeling. It was good. It felt good. People were, you know, good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah. But here is it, here it is in black and white where we can see this is the possible outcome of taking that further, surrendering even more control and really establishing the parameters where it where we're able to share those things mm-hmm. as a team yeah yeah do you yeah. feel the same way yeah I, yes period so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very this has turned into a very one-way conversation no i i honestly like you nailed it on the head like um this is both it, it's interesting how like where we're at right now in this whole process this is both like exactly what we set out to achieve or grow into or whatever but also like we didn't know exactly what we set out to achieve or grow into like it's been learning the whole way but we kind of like knew what we were you know like you said we we kind of always knew and have behaved in a way where we knew that the team needed a bit more control needed that opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn and grow but what exactly that looked like, how we might change, how the team might change has been a part of this whole process. So it's been almost like the real life, healthy way to build the plane while you're flying it using that Mm -hmm. cliche, you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, yes, for sure. It really, and it confirms for us now six, seven, not quite, yeah, eight months (laughs) on. Oh my gosh. Um, That, you know, we we talked early on that this felt like the next next evolution of what our team could be, mm-hmm. and what we could be doing. You know, that would crack some things open and help build more creativity and independence and all of those things. And uh, it, yeah, it feels great to realize that these things are starting to come together. And also, like P.S. to everybody listening, eight months in is when we are. I think. I am genuinely for the first time feeling like it is not just working and pushing toward a thing, but like it is accomplishing things now, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so like, don't give up after a month if you don't see right. <laughs> change. Um, but let's, so let's, let's circle back. We still need to talk about, uh, we still, we have to go back and be a downer and then we can be the upper again um, and talk about, some of the things that could keep a team from being accountable and, you know, full disclosure, as we talk through some of these brilliantly pre-prepared bullet points, we were guilty of some of this stuff. We're not coming in and saying, hey, well, we just want to confirm for you all that we were perfect. Uh, (laughs) There are things that, and there are still things that block us, block me Mm -hmm. and Maybe, you know, maybe you will confirm that block you from really being able to surrender to the, to, uh, yeah, to surrender to the process, to trust the process. Better. Trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. So what are things that keep a team from being accountable? Um, the, I, I asked the wrong question. That is not the question. The question is, what about not having, not giving up control? keeps people from being accountable. And uh, number one, which was probably the first epiphany I had looking at what we could be doing uh, very early on, is that if you can't surrender some control, you don't give 
the other team members an opportunity to see or understand the vision. You mm-hmm. all, they only have time to do the things. Yeah. And you, and maybe for some leaders, you don't feel the need to talk about vision and mission and all of those big things because what you want, what you think you want is people focused on the task at hand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the task that you want them to do to achieve your vision that you either haven't shared or don't talk about enough or people aren't bought into for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a huge block. It keeps them from uh, independent planning. It keeps them from creative thinking. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're, we're a, we are a creative marketing agency and to think that there potentially was a time and there may, there still will be. And this is something we have to be very careful not to let happen again, that we, we built a system that kept cr- a team that we have labeled the creative team from being creative mm-hmm. because we were top-down managing. Yeah. And if I can just soften that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> please, please. For the sake of my ego, please. Yes. Well, um, you it's, know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like people weren't ever creative or, right. you know, right. weren't creative people or anything like that. It's just that maybe happened in a way that was like severely disconnected from the team or Mm -hmm. from like the purpose of the work that we're doing. Uh, And as a result, maybe, um, you know, it was like everybody kind of like letting their own vision or motivation come through their work instead of, you know, that mysterious alignment that we talk about on a team, right? Like that we're all trying to achieve the same thing, whether it's Mm -hmm. for ourselves, for our organization, for our clients, you know, so um, I think creativity was happening. Everybody on the team was still seen as creative in some way or their own way, but um, maybe not in a way that contributes to a team. So let me, so let me define, let me redefine past state, present state, and see if this resonates with you. I think the the real, the genuine difference as you're talking and as you have stepped back to my big, bold statements, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sorry, has become your lot in life. I'm just pouring uh, lukewarm water on your hot take. That's all. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> just throw some ice cubes on there. Sorry for uh, my... <laughs> uh, It really, really, the distinction is between having people feel like they have to say, is this what you wanted? Is this the thing? Is this what you were picturing? Um, And us feeling like we have to, uh, number one, like we have to have a picture because surprise, 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 even people who lead creative teams do not have a creative idea every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, number two, keeps us from having to micromanage that process to say, okay, well, that's, um, I didn't have a picture and now I have to come up with a picture of what that thing's going to be. And I have to be able to tell you or lie to you, you know, which I, hopefully that's not something we're doing, but I'm sure there are people who, you know, lean back on that and be like, no, that's not what I wanted. And I didn't know what I wanted. And now I'm only now finding out. But so it is the distinction between working that way 
and this feeling of being able to say, I have no preconceived notions about the thing that you're about to do. You and I have talked about the purpose and we have, you know, for us, we have project management software where we can make lots and lots of notes. And so you can see just as well as I can what we're trying to do. So do the thing. <laughs> and uh, don't worry about what I think about it. Did, maybe yeah. not. Don't worry. Now I've, I've stepped myself back, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah. So it's this distinction between maybe making something uh, because you think you have to please the leader. Yeah. Right. And fulfill the leader's vision and being able to be the kind of leader that says, hey, you and I understand this thing as well as two people are going to understand it. Now take it and let's see what you can do with it. Not being able to use that creative vision or independent planning or all of that, I think really hurts people that we hope will grow into leadership positions. Mm -hmm. And I think, right. I think you see this all the time where, you know, uh, someone is on a team and gets promoted because they are the best at the job on the team. Yeah. And their set of skills doesn't translate into leadership. Right. Because they have been, they're good at doing the task. Yeah. Yeah. Or when a leadership opportunity presents itself, that person, you know, is aware that they maybe haven't had the independence that, um, a leader might need to be able to make decisions, guide a team, et cetera. So they totally like disqualify themselves from the position mm -hmm. before even taking a shot at it, you know, before getting right. It, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing, speaking of leaders, is this, uh, this idea that on a team where it is top-down management of tasks, you sometimes get into a toxic, uh, sort of a toxic environment where the leader gets the praise and uh, maybe it's not always really adept at sharing the praise or saying, oh, that's not me. That's, you know, that's my team. That's this person. That's that person. Right. Uh, and then the flip side of that, uh, I have definitely experienced leaders who suffer a consequence and shield the team from a consequence. Right. So now, and what happens between, so I, I think a, what, the way that that becomes toxic is a consequence happens. The leader says, that was my fault. I didn't do this thing. Here's, you know, here's all of the reasons I should have done better. Uh, and to some extent, if you could leave it there and move on, it would be fine. But I think there is this toxic tendency to then take the frustration you feel from that consequence and take it out on mm -hmm. people, right? So you're not, you feel like you're being the martyr and shielding people and, oh, I don't want you to feel bad because the person said this, but then also I'm just going to make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or if not make you feel bad, just like bottle that up and you're going to wind up driving yourself crazy, you know? So yeah, right. 
I, this always makes me think of the uh, post-game press conference after a uh, Sunday football game where the coach, you know, like something went terribly wrong and the coach, that's on me. That's on me. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. actually that dude probably should have just caught the ball or right. known where he was supposed to be. And it, they're probably, I'm sure our time is where that coach says that genuinely knowing like, crap we forgot to talk about that in practice this week (laughs) that Mm -hmm. dude wasn't where he was didn't know where he was supposed to be because we didn't tell him we didn't go over that whatever right Mm. um but uh you know a lot of the time that I think you see that in that public forum it's that coach trying to you know earn his paycheck and protect his guys and um take the blame be the be the big guy whatever you know but yeah Mm -hmm. you're your guys know when you're full of crap when you say that uh i think the press and people also know when you're full of crap and so i'm using this nfl analogy but the same thing happens on small teams too you know the Mm -hmm. the leader of the organization knows when that department head is taking one for the team and uh and sometimes maybe they don't um and if it just lives there and and dies then yeah the team suffers for that because there's not that opportunity to to grow, to feel the consequence as a team, to have Mm -hmm. that shared fate, you know, that's part of this whole process that we're talking about. So this, this might be both like the leader getting the praise and not sharing it with that, with the team and the leader being the only one to feel the consequence. I think this might be like the most, like the heaviest of Mm -hmm. the list that we've just gone over. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I mean, I think it contributes to almost everything else we've talked about, but just huge lost opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. And let's, let's pause a minute and talk about the word consequence, because I do think people associate that word with punishment and they associate punishment with something really bad. So when we're talking in the work world, being written up, being, you know, so like they, the, it goes pretty quickly and maybe because the language of consequence in the work world is pretty limited. It has a very small vocabulary. So you are either written up and or whatever version your particular organization has of that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in most organizations, there's a certain number of times you can suffer that particular consequence and then you are out the door yeah um or it's like a it it is a slap on the wrist kind of thing maybe 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 not even that maybe that's not the best way to define it you are either written up or you are told you could be written up yeah right and those are sort of the two languages for consequences that people have like that was bad. I could have written you up, didn't write you up, or that's bad. I'm writing you up. And yeah. they we don't really associate with the idea that a consequence, a punishment, really is anything that makes someone uh stop and reflect on what has happened. And the tendency is that if you get a consequence, if you get a punishment, you uh are not getting positive feelings out of it. That's it. So a consequence or a punishment in this case uh, definitely could be defined as I screw something up 
I have to fix the thing I screwed up. And you say to me, hey, pal, you knew better than that. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's let's talk about why you didn't do what you knew was the right thing to do there. And holy cow, like that, that's a consequence. That's a punishment. Sure. Um, yeah. and I think people don't think about that being a punishment because they want something in black and white, like that person was punished. Nope, right. punishing enough, man. So yeah. that that is that needs to be part of this whole consideration for feeling a consequence. It, it can be as simple as, hey, you screwed up and you made a bad choice. Let's talk about why you made a bad choice. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't like the reason that you made your bad choice. So let's not do that again. Yeah. We can just like label this a tough conversation, right? Which, yeah. Yeah. There might be no official record of, it's not like some record of conversation or anything like that, but uh, a lot of people don't like those tough conversations. So that's definitely a con- both the, like whichever end of it you're on, you know? So yeah, yeah. totally uh, a consequence there. I, I also think, and I don't mean to soften this consequence topic or anything, but you could like replace the word consequences or consequence with like learning. You know, um, sometimes, um, you know, the result of, or, or what's, what you're shielding people from is an opportunity to learn, or maybe even both like learn, uh, in the sense of like learning from doing, like I did a Mm -hmm. thing this way. I, maybe I knew or didn't know it was wrong. And if nobody ever, if I got shielded from, uh, learning whether or not it was right or wrong or I knew it was right or wrong or whatever uh like immediately the opportunity for improvement is gone but -hmm. another so I think back to the word consequence a consequence can be like prescribed or required learning you know like Mm -hmm. here's this thing that you did there must be a gap in your knowledge you need to do this thing to learn more to gain that knowledge which could be a training could you know, could be something that if you took it out of the context that we're talking about, could be seen as a really fun opportunity, like going to a conference or, Mm -hmm. you know, going through some kind of training program that, um, you know, is enjoyable and fun and all that. So um, the consequence could be something that might actually be a really cool thing. But if people are totally shielded from that, um, that's maybe an opportunity that you're robbing from them there also might be forced learnings like um i don't know sexual harassment training or something like that which not fun but <laughs> also some learning you know so anyway bit of a digression there but well and, and i'm gonna stick with your digression just for a minute i'm gonna put on my training hat and say yes to everything you're saying and uh the we can also think about it in terms of positive and negative feedback that is how you learn something So even this whole process, we can apply that layer and say, if you receive positive feedback, you have a tendency to repeat that thing Mm -hmm. that you're doing. If you receive negative feedback or a consequence, a punishment, uh, you have a tendency not to repeat the thing. And that is like, it's, it's really that simple. And to get it exactly back to the point where we should be, uh, (laughs) If we are not sharing any of that feedback uh, because we are either taking it ourselves or we are shielding people from the negative feedback, um, lost opportunity for growth, lost opportunity for sharing learning, 
all of that goes out the window because we have placed ourselves in that spot of like the general on the, in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And yeah. that's what we're going to give orders and you're going to take them and yeah. Yeah. And clean your bunk, <laughs> other <laughs> Marine things that you should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the only other thing that I would um, add to this list is just the, this like opportunity for like true happiness for people. You know, I think, um, we we're, we're, we might be robbing people of an opportunity to be happy in what they're doing and more just like, yes, I am satisfied with the work that I am doing and my output and my level of creativity and stuff, but like feeling like a real sense of like joy and happiness and in, in what mm -hmm. they're doing. Not to say that the road to that is always smooth and sunny, but, um, you know, all of that everything we just talked about consequences or, um, you know, learning yeah. how to be a leader, learning how to think, you know, with vision and strategy in mind, like those are all like steps on the way to like really feeling fulfillment and happiness and joy in what you're doing every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, ex excellent point. You know, there is, there is power, there is satisfaction in, in feeling agency over your yeah. own life. Right. And so to be able to give someone an opportunity to have that agency and particularly maybe to be able to say, I am the expert on my job mm -hmm. and I can, I can be the one to do my job. And if you needed to ask me a question about what I do, I can answer it with a level of expertise. I don't have to take your question and put it through the filter of my leader to give yeah. you an answer to your question. Yeah. You know, and a lot of positives, uh, which uh, I, man, we have talked about enough negatives. I think it's, I think we should talk <laughs> positives. A yeah. lot of, a lot of positives to that, to being able to, uh, to both for the leader and for the employee. Obviously, the employee emotionally, more fulfilled and uh, all of the, those nice feelings for the leader, like, man, why would you want to step in between someone and their expertise? Mm. And doesn't it, uh, doesn't it sort of add to your team's effectiveness and power and output and success exponentially if you are able to have experts on your team and not have to be the expert on everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a beauty and power and all that for right. sure. So you're right. We should shift to the positives and maybe some things, uh, some cool things that have happened for us. And we know that we're not uh, by any means done with this whole process, but um, some of the things that we've passed off control to the rest of the team and maybe how those things are going. Um, you want to kick us off with some of these yeah. awesome items on the list that you so perfectly prepared, Sue? <laughs> Uh, yes, I do like to think that what I do is perfect. Uh, yeah, so number one, you will notice on this list is podcast editing and sharing it. So uh, 
probably not a big surprise to anybody who has made it to this podcast that it doesn't happen in any magical way. Um, the people who make it are magic, but certainly <laughs> the the writing of the notes, the editing of the file, the putting the file out somewhere where you can get it out to the podcast apps, which also means there's copywriting and then it goes on the blog. So there's a lot of that that uh, up until sometime this year, earlier this year, I handled myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, both from a necessity, uh, both from what I felt was a level of necessity and from certainly a level of control. Yeah. So, you know, feeling, feeling like, well, I am, you know, I'm making the notes. I am on the podcast. I know precisely what I meant when we started. And so precisely what I meant when we started should be exactly how all of this looks. And we passed that off and invited Nick into Nick from our team in to do that stuff. Um, the editing part, it was super easy for me to say, here, take the editing, here's some notes, here's how you can do that. The other parts of that, a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> right. You know, to yeah. any time that I have to give up uh, copywriting privileges. Yeah. A little tough, a little tough right. on me, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, we have a nice, open line of communication and uh that using that very first example is something i need to continue working with because for me i i certainly haven't given up as much control on that stuff and a thing that i have observed um as the copy and content writer is that if i am too liberal with my need to edit what other people are saying, they become dependent on me really quickly. Right. Because yeah. I always have an idea. Yeah. You, you, if you present me with something, I will give you an idea. And if I keep right. giving you an idea, you become, you begin to think that you don't have ideas. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I get a similar feeling in like the design realm. It's like, if you show me anything, I can probably tell you something I would do differently, whether mm -hmm. it's an improvement or a personal preference, like if it's a, like a true improvement, like a design principle kind of thing, or if it's just a personal preference or, you know, an right. intentional rule break or something like that. So, and yeah, I can totally see how after doing that again and again and again, people would be like, well, he's just going to tell me something to change anyway. So I might as well stop where I'm at or just go to them first or whatever. Yeah. 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 He's just going to tell me to add more white space. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> damn it, I love white space. <laughs> love, love you some white space. Yeah. So I mean, do, let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have leaned on here is what is quote unquote technically correct there where you could have let it go do you know do you understand what i'm saying where you rather than saying this is just what i like this is the way it should be uh you have maybe leaned more heavily and i ask you this because this is the thing i've done um and p.s 
when you make up the rules for the language you're speaking and then you don't write it down (laughs) (laughs) you get you give yourself a lot of leverage to do that but back to you my confession's done have you ever done that where you've maybe maybe could have let it go um i mean definitely yes um i think you know the the challenge is always like how <laughs> how bad do you want to fight it or like mm-hmm. how how much are you willing to fight for whatever it is you're fighting for and like where its origin is like is it a personal preference sort of thing is mm-hmm. it um do you want to fight for it because it's maybe adjacent to something something that you created originally whether it's like another design or a a guideline or a best practice or something you know the reason that our stuff looks the way it does is um because i was the first one to do that thing um so maybe you know maybe depending on like where the motivation is coming from might play into like how mm-hmm. how hard you fight or um, right how yeah direct you are with your feedback or your orders or <laughs> whatever yeah. they wind up being you know but yeah. yeah i mean the short the short answer is yes um and like you said you know if there's not you know a guideline in writing or you know a, a practice on the team that's documented or you know fully understood i guess the benefit to you as the person that um, maybe has that little bit more authority um is you can kind of make up the rules as you go you can say what you like and don't like as you go mm-hmm. um and the consequence of that is people are going to become dependent on you really quickly. Right. So it's right. both like freeing and empowering for everyone on the team to have that stuff written down or to, mm-hmm. you know, have it like really effectively communicated so that the people that are supplying you with first drafts of things or, you know, initial designs or whatever they might be can say, well, I did it this way because that's what we agreed on, you know, or right. that's what our guidelines say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just to enhance your point about how hard you want to fight for it. For me, a thing that I always have to remind myself is, when I get in those situations is, dude, I don't have to fight for it. Yeah. I just have to tell. Yeah. I just have to say I don't like it and mm-hmm. I get my way. So it, it the fight there is my like my internal struggle to say, like, what's more important? How this person is growing or me having my way. Yeah. And to add on to that, another thing that um, I think is worth, um, or or at least creates like some internal conflict for me is, yeah, those are the rules. Yeah, those are the rules that we defined and agreed on. Um, and also, especially from a graphic design standpoint, but I suppose from, a, you know, writing and content creation standpoint too, uh, feels really good to break the rules every now and then. And mm. stuff that you create when you've intentionally broken the rules can get some really nice attention so that's a struggle that i have oftentimes is like yeah i mean this looks exactly like it needs to within the bounds that we've set um but also like when are we gonna when are we gonna break that a little bit to keep things Mm -hmm. fresh and yeah yeah and when do you say yes to that when do you say "Mm, i like that but not now or yeah whatever yeah right yeah and I, I think that takes us on to proofing, which is another thing that we have 
we have both experienced some surrender of control with you you yeah. uh we started at the beginning of the year with uh sort of reforming that proofing process things everything needs a set of eyes on it man from uh the simplest thing to the most complex thing and so having a defined proofing process which we took you out of yeah yeah uh unless Almost entirely yeah yeah unless we throw up the bad signal and you have to swoop in <laughs> um and then uh we re-examined that and uh i passed off a lot of that too mm-hmm. so that one it's all, I'm not going to lie. We're, if we could put 45 bullet points here of things that we have given up control and everyone, I would go, hmm, that's tough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think for proofing, probably the, the big thing that I miss is like, I just like to see the stuff, you know, yeah. and totally trust Pam to do the proofing. Nothing at all about that process, about the process concerns me. But there's a you know there's some fun in seeing what somebody has devised in their mind and seeing and and also there is a certain level of certainty calm peace peace of mind that it brings me to uh when i had that process of like seeing all of the output i still have access to it but I'm right. not asked, you know, to yeah. proof it. So, yeah, you know, I did, I, I had to surrender some of that, some of the personal gain in order yeah. to see, you know, the team get that gain too. Yeah. Well, lots to be gained by us being removed from that, you know, time, maybe the most obvious, but um, I imagine that like the next phase of our, growth related to like proofing and you know that uh, desire to see everything is maybe I'm speaking for myself but I imagine it would apply to you too like finding and being comfortable with that sweet spot of well like one just continuing to be comfortable with not seeing everything but also um, having our own um like definition of the amount of like self-seeking that we do like like not seeking ourselves but like uh independently going and seeing what's being created not Mm -hmm. not for any kind of like micromanagement or anything like that but you know we we do need to still see what's going right. out there we we can't be ignorant um, but also we can't have our eyes on everything so like where is that sweet spot of mm-hmm. keeping ourselves informed um, at least to the level where we know quality work is happening we're seeing growth on the team um, you know making sure that things are on trend and you know all of those things that we that anyone who's more actively involved in proofing should like always have top of mind mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know what that looks like. It it feels like just kind of the next phase in this journey right. is like finding that spot where I feel comfortable about what I know and what I'm seeing and what I don't know and what I'm not seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I could define it right now. Right. Right. And and I think 
that might be something that uh, that fluctuates with where you are at any given time. Like maybe if we have, you know, if you have a bad series of interactions or a super positive series of interactions, just anything that really affects your mood in a profound way, it may change how much of that you want to do, mm -hmm. right? How much checking right. in you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, because I do know, yeah, I, I shouldn't always start with like, if somebody says something negative and now suddenly I want to see everything because the opposite also happens. I will see somebody's design and be like, oh my gosh, now I, now suddenly I want to see, I want to look at everything that person's doing right now because yeah. uh, that, that was, was so cool. good. Cause yeah. And it yeah. just, it just gives me that dopamine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and speaking of work in progress, uh, this planning and execution of some of the yearly initiatives, this one I think is a bigger work in process for us. Um, we've talked on the podcast before about uh, Plantopia, what that looks like. We've talked about the fact that we come out of that with big ideas and traditionally on the team over the last several years, those big ideas have really been something that you know, sort of hinged on one of us pushing it forward uh -huh. and being the one to make sure there's check-ins, being the one. And, you know, ultimately, if we have to retire that idea for the year, being the one to decide to retire it. So uh, I think it was a, it was a little more of a leap uh, to this year say, oh, okay, so we're not, here are the things, we're just not going to be the lead on that mm -hmm. so uh I, there's and i think there is so much people can learn from taking what is a great idea and being the one to lead that idea through mm -hmm. and also whether that because we've certainly experienced this whether that is something that we end up accomplishing or not is a valuable thing right yeah yeah, I think it's really natural for these things to um, be like heavy on a leader because, you know, they're they're yearly initiatives, they're big projects, deadlines are kind of self-induced and people are maybe mm -hmm. looking to you for the guidance on that. So there's just like all of these factors about these kind of things that make it easy for a leader to be like, no, nope, I got that. I need to own this, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, going right back to the beginning of the episode, I mean, um, by giving some control of these things and like ownership to uh, the team, um, just a huge opportunity for them to learn and grow a huge relief from us to mm -hmm. not have to be the ones to like be making those decisions all the time. And yeah, as leaders, we can still influence it and maybe guide it in a way that, uh, you know, uh, a leader sh maybe should air quote should, you know, right. Um, Cause at the same time, a leader can really quickly overstep and, you know, all of a sudden that control that you've given to a team member is really just a facade and mm -hmm. they're not learning or growing. You're just kind of puppet master in the background. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And speaking of which the last bullet point I have here really speaks to that. There are, and I had a hard time defining if you asked me what these this particular set of things was, I don't think it's a particular category of things we do or, you know, 
one group of particular projects, but there were things that other people on the team had already quote unquote controlled that for whatever reason, we were interjecting ourselves maybe more heavily than we needed to. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I am, if I am extremely honest, I know one of the ones that uh, if Alex is listening to this, hi, Alex, I love you. Um, (laughs) One of the ones I couldn't stay away from is events. I can't, uh, I did events for a long flipping time and uh, it, it just is, it's just one of those things where I, well, I think I always sort of leaned on this feeling of, well, I know the importance of it and it is, you know, doing it right is, uh, is so vital to the organization and all of those things that you can convince yourself, well, here's a really good reason that I should constantly be around that and asking questions. And um, I definitely always tried not to micromanage, but it is such a fine line between micromanaging by saying, you should do this, you should do that. And micromanaging by saying, is, is that what you're going to do? Is, mm-hmm. Was yeah. that the decision you're going to make? Right. That it, you, it is not, you're not just asking questions when you're doing that. You're still micromanaging. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so that probably, that's a big one for me. Yeah. To, yeah similar. Sorry. Similar experience yeah. for me with uh, the website. I think that's something that um, I had, you know, passed off to Pam. She does a great job with, um, but I think there was enough, I think for me, the stakes of that, like just it being such a visible aspect of the business Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that like, if it ever went down and like service was disrupted or, you know, anything like that, like the the stakes of what might happen if that wasn't uh, at least up and running or, um, you know, ideally a great experience and looking good and operating well and all of that stuff. I think the the stakes of it made me like compelled me to check in more often than I needed to or interject my opinion or air quotes expertise, <laughs> you know, um, when like really um, I, I was only, I was just robbing opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to, to learn, to own a thing, to share that accountability with somebody else so yeah yeah and let me let me just throw in here to both of those teammates both Alex and Pam what an opportunity to have two people on our team who are so capable of such deep thoughtfulness and uh how lucky we really how lucky we are to have people who are entirely capable of being as thoughtful as they are and uh how much like i just anticipate it's already better but i anticipate so much better when uh when we can fully peel ourselves away from that yeah uh and be experiencing kind of a healthy relationship with us Mm -hmm. you know with that so um and i'm gonna say all of that uh knowing they don't listen all the way through to this podcast so they're missing out (laughs) they're lost 
<laughs> yes. So let's talk benefits. What What do you think? Uh, I've got a list, as you can clearly see, <laughs> of things that I think we've already benefited from. Let's kick them yes. off. Let's th let's run them through. I think I believe that we are at least growing increased mutual trust. I think mm -hmm. every time, you know, particularly thinking about those things that you and I have had a hard time giving up, every time we give it up, every time we can step away and say, yeah, no, you're the person, you know, that's your baby, that's your thing, you're going to do a great job. I think that adds one, like, one little Lego in the yeah. brick build, Lego building of trust yeah. that we are building with folks. Yeah. 100%. I feel like we're at the point of the episode where it's like, what did we learn today? Because so much mm -hmm. of this, I think we've talked about as part of our examples. And yeah, that like, and trust, I'm so glad that that's like the first one at the top of the list, you know, mm -hmm. um, just such an important aspect of a healthy team and an accountable team. And yeah, trust that we're going to give up what we need to give up. Trust that um, what we've given up is going to be owned and controlled and done mm -hmm. uh, with quality and all that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, and along with that, um, for people to be able to be confident in making their own independent decisions. I mean, that's, again, you know, circling back to a lot of what we've talked about, that confidence comes by doing and by learning and the independence that um, people gain creates, you know, just big opportunity for, for growth and uh <laughs> spoiling the last thing on the list efficiency you know like right. not every decision needs to be made over a meeting not every decision needs to be bounced off of someone people know enough and have the expertise and the knowledge that they need to make those decisions and we can all move way faster when the trust is there for people to make those independent decisions and just you know the wheels keep spinning and moving forward you know yeah yeah and I think final final thing to think about along with the benefits here, when we talk about the trust, the confidence, the independent decision-making and the efficiency that that grants you is to, uh, is that part of the thing that I work, I personally work really hard on. Um, and admittedly, because I have gone through my phase of being like, the parent of teenagers and young people. And when you, you know, you have young kids, you're not at the point yet where you feel it's time to go. I, I don't know why you did something so stupid. I can't even, uh, you were born with a brain. I saw your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet this was the most boneheaded thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, I maybe never talked that I did talk that way to my kids. Um, but you, uh, even with young people and young adults, things, and definitely with people you're working with, when you offer the trust and the independent decision-making, you have to balance that with not, uh, with being able to have the appropriate amount of negative feedback mm. if they make, uh, if the decision they make is wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, because they will very quickly especially on a team, teenagers don't do this, but on a team, if you say that was a, you know, however you would say it, that was a terrible choice. You, uh, I don't know, you, it was, it was bad. And I, 
you were wrong and whatever. Um, it's really easy for them to say, well, then don't make me make choices. You do the thing then because you think I'm stupid. Sure. Maybe not in so many words, maybe in right. so many words, yeah. but so maybe to, in a lot more words. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah. to really to continue to get that benefit of trust, independent decision making, to make sure like you have to offer feedback, but to be cautious with how you offer that feedback and make sure that it's balanced. Yeah, that it's meant that you are making sending a really clear message to say the next conversation was we're going to have is about your growth so i'm not going to sit here we're going to talk about what happened i'm going to ask you to explain to me why it happened um but you're not you're not getting you know you're not going in the sassy chair there's no you know you're not getting a time out uh because we're not talking about you being naughty we're we're talking about you made a decision and yeah. everybody makes bad decisions sometimes. Yeah. You know, some of what we talked today might come off or feel, I don't know, squishy or mm. emo or something like that. I don't know. I think, <laughs> you know when we're talking we're, about. We're in our emo phase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about like the benefit of all of this, you know, one word that we talked about was efficiency. And I think like, I just want to, be sure to connect the dots um because it's something that i'm always trying to be mindful of is you know like what's the business case of i mean this podcast and um Mm. you know some of the content we put out and things like that and um efficiency is the business case you know doing this kind of work like you know any team that or marketer or somebody that's listening to this podcast if something that they learn here again means um you know that they work more efficiently or they give up some control or, you know, trust their team a little bit more or or are inspired to whatever, um, you're working quicker, you're working faster, you're doing things in a way that at the end of the day feeds the bottom line, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, might not be easy to see it right away. Might not be a direct, uh, connection of dots in a straight line, but, um, it is a result that happens of being mindful of this stuff and creating real change in yourself and on your team. Right. Well, and, and I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you connected it to the bottom line because in a very real way, it is, uh, the purpose is efficiency for the sake of success. Right. Yeah. So not just efficiency not just for the get sake. more done. <laughs> yeah. But right. because the habits that we're talking about developing are intended to make a more successful group. Right. And uh, ideally you build such a, wildly radically accountable team that you know one day we retire to the Cayman Islands and that team is just as accountable just as efficient just as successful yeah um as as it was when we were here or more like that's and and I think you know that really is the dream is that we build a machine here that is continually self-sustaining and growing and learning okay so what are the next steps to doing all of that like that sounds simple so how do we do it um we ordered everybody a copy of the book everybody's got a book yeah which i i don't know why we didn't think to do that in the beginning but yeah here we are anyway revolutionized teamwork is the name of the book by eric eric coriel 
and now everybody has their own little copy. It's like an hour read. Mm-hmm. So super, super simple little read and so impactful. And everybody is going to read it. And then as we mentioned on our last, nope, not the last one, somewhere along the way for next steps, um, we talked about if we want to build an accountable team, why are we telling them what to do and how to be accountable? Uh, so part of our next steps is to have them help us plan the next steps. Yep. So I'll have a meeting to get that uh, from them or um, do it collaboratively, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe we just won't talk. Yeah. Good luck. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to both of us. That wasn't yes. a dig on you. Uh, yeah, yeah. That you is... know how I am about uh, be- bathing in the awkward silence, but oof, that bath gets cold real quick. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, and we appreciate, as we are going along in this journey, we appreciate you being there with us. Uh, keep on coming back to hear more. We are eight months in and finally hitting our stride. It's good. It's all great. Uh, And you can follow us on social media or you can get in touch with us at our website, exclamationcuso.com. You can hear these episodes there and find other great stuff. You got it. Thank you, friends, for tuning in. Be awesome. And we'll see you next time. The Osmology Podcast is a production of Exclamation Services. Thanks to Nick Mulliver for sound production and Kylie Ganther for our cover artwork. Executive producers are me, Ben Bauer, and my friend, Suzanne Campbell.